0: This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin.
2: Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the November 5th episode of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Joe Bartle and I are back. We're going to review all of the week nine Sunday games, shorter schedule than usual, whatever. Um, first, let's get to your Packers from last night. So, watching that, I actually had the Packers uh, plus six and a half. I was excited probably late third quarter, maybe late third, early fourth. Not remember what I don't remember when exactly it was. And then um, Aaron Jones fumbled. And that was a tough break. It was his first fumble ever, I read. Is that right?
1: That's correct, yeah. I mean, he he hasn't been getting the, the main share of the carries, so he hasn't had as many opportunities to let us down as Packer fans. But <laughs> uh, it, it was overdue. you know. And I would have taken the 6.5 too if I was a gambling man. I, I thought that – much like the Rams game, the Packers were going to play pretty close, and they did. They did. Um, just here's the saying that I always think of: bad teams find a way to find a way to lose or find a way to lose. Yeah, and that's what the Packers are right now. I mean, they're they're a bad team. I understand hanging close to the Rams is great, and uh, keeping up with the Patriots for three quarters is great. But the Packers are a bad team, and they're just going to find ways to lose. Whether the referees are helping them, uh, which You know, people, especially on Twitter, were making a big stink about that. Uh, The guy that ran into the punter that was a 15-yard penalty into a 5-yard penalty, whatever. There was about 15 defensive players that got injured, too, throughout that game. At some point, it became, oh, yeah, all right, I know how this is going to go down. Uh, And I was anticipating it was going to be a Tom Brady-led touchdown or field goal to win the game. So Aaron Jones put me out of my misery a little bit earlier than I was hoping for. But, you know, that's that's how it goes.
2: Were you surprised that he got uh, benched after the fumble?
1: No, I, I was surprised he came back into the game at one point. I, <laughs> that w- I, w- I thought I had told some of my friends, up oh, now Jones is out for two weeks. And I was not really kidding either. I was surprised to see him come back. McCarthy just is, he's going to do that. I mean, and the end game goal at this point, and it's been that way for really since Rodgers messed up his knee, how many games can we lose so we can't make the playoffs? And then McCarthy's fired. That's, yeah. that's what we're going for at this point. It was the same goal last year, and unfortunately – Rogers, uh, Roger's injury derailed any chance of getting rid of McCarthy, but that, that's what we're shooting for, and uh, we, we just have to get to that point. So hopefully we beat the Bears and beat some other teams that would make us look really bad if we lost them, uh, and just lose it. enough games where we miss the playoffs and McCarthy's gone. That's, that's what we need.
2: All right. You got your eyes on the prize. I admire the focus. I really really do. All right, folks, before we get to, we'll get back to this game a little bit later. uh, And we're going to cover all the games from yesterday. Before that, remember, check us out on Twitter. Joe is at JB fantasy sports and I'm at J 37. You can also tweet us at RotoWire. You can get player updates at RotoWire NFL, or you can find us on Facebook. Okay. Let's start with the bears bills. And and, and by the way, I was going to say, well, I had the bills plus then I, I just got basically, if there was a game, I got it wrong was yesterday. Um, (laughs) And it looked like, it was funny, it, it was 7 nothing early, and the Bills were kind of driving. And it's funny, I was, I was at a, a sports bar, and I see someone on the, on the Bears running, back, running the ball back down the sideline, and I go, oh, Peterman threw an interception. And that, on that particular play, it wasn't. It turned out it was a fumble. Um, but it turned into a disaster. Peterman threw three more picks. I, there, there's not a lot that we can tell from this game. Like, if you're the Bills... I I guess you don't have a choice but to roll Peterman back out there because you literally don't have anybody else.
1: Right, yeah, Uh, you know. But do they have
2: to sign a quarterback and say, we can't keep putting this guy out there because he literally throws for three or four interceptions every time he plays?
1: This would be the situation where if Colin Kaepernick hadn't missed the last two years now, you would wonder why in the world is he not out there as a backup quarterback because, by God, he has to be better than Peterman. And I guarantee you, he's better than Derek Anderson. I thought that was a slap in the face of not just uh, Peterman and Bills fans, but NFL fans Tell me that Derek Anderson coming off the street after missing, you know, it feels like two years, but maybe he was playing before then in some backup capacity. That was a joke to me. Uh, and he didn't look great against the Patriots. And that concussion, I think, was more of a, a, a kind way of reminding Anderson that, that there's a reason he shouldn't be in the NFL currently. I don't know that – the, the, Bear, the Bears' defense was as chalky as we thought it might be in DFS, and it ended up being a, a pretty good payoff. But there was a couple of different defenses that ended up probably being not better plays, but as good of plays if you wanted to pivot from this direction. But why would you when the Bills just can't help themselves, especially when Peterman's at, at under center?
2: All right. Um, by the way, the Bills play at the Jets this week if you're looking to stream a defense, and Jake and I will talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, Logan Thomas caught seven passes tight end. Are you reading anything into this at all? I mean, since we're always scrounging for tight ends during bye weeks, is this something to? Is there anything to see here?
1: No, I, I don't think so. I think it's just a matter of trying to complete a pass that wasn't going to get fumbled or intercepted. And Logan Thomas was the main beneficiary of that. I, I don't I don't think that that's going to be any long term ramification for him. Right. And
2: and by the way, he played mostly because Charles Clay left that game with an injury. So um, <laughs> yeah. And as far as the Bears, I mean. There's not much we can tell about this game. Like Jordan Howard got two touchdowns, but they were up by 30 points, so it's kind of hard to you know, assess anything. Tariq Cohen, I wouldn't worry, because, again, they were up by a bunch of points, so they weren't his. It, 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 game script-wise, it didn't help his cause. So if you own Tariq Cohen, sorry. You had a rough day, but oh well. Um, but the Bears' defense, funny. So Mack was out again. Roquan Smith actually played really well. 13 tackles, I think I saw
1: yeah, that's right. I know. I know he had double digits. Uh, he had the forced fumble too. Yeah. Um, didn't he have one a recovery as well? Whether it was returned or touched, I'm not sure. But I thought he had a recovered fumble as well. He had. He had a very good game.
2: <laughs> yep. So that defense is is. Uh, it's not just Khalil Mack. It's pretty strong. All right. Yeah. But the, otherwise, nothing to tell here. Um, Allen Robinson was out again. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. Let's go to a more exciting game. Let's go to Panthers Bucks. Uh, that was interesting because the Panthers are up
1: 35-7. Yes, and, at, and, the, at the end of the first half. like I thought for sure that was – well, maybe I didn't think it was done, but I, I did not anticipate the Buccaneers making as valiant a comeback as they had.
2: Um, this bring back, brings back memories of the Panthers' Super Bowl year when they would always get big leads and take their foot off the gas. Um, <laughs> but they did win. It, it, the one thing I, I, on the Panthers' side of the ball yesterday, they have a lot of pieces on offense. And I think, like, I I thought McCaffrey would have a big day yesterday because they spent three weeks trying not to run because they were playing against really good run defenses. And yesterday, I kind of thought he'd get back in the mix pretty heavily. Um, They have so many pieces that beyond McCaffrey, it hurts to try to pick one. DJ Moore was such a trendy fantasy play yesterday, and I kind of was looking at it going, much as I love the player, and and five weeks from now he might be there number 1 receiver. Right now there's just there's too much cuz they like mixing Curtis Samuel in, you know, and and, and mm-hmm. they throw to Funchess a lot and they still throw to Olsen and and there's just too many people and they throw to McCaffrey. Like I DJ, DJ Moore's unlikely to catch 7 passes for 100 yards in a game just because they spread the ball around so much.
1: Yeah, exactly. We were both really high on Christian McCaffrey entering this week and I'm glad that one paid off. And we both kind of advised that maybe this isn't the week to start DJ Moore. I have to wonder that Maybe if Curtis Samuel gets hurt or Funches gets hurt, then we start to see more of those shares for him and targets. But until that point, I'm not sure he's anything more than a Deshaun Jackson type of player where you put him in your lineup at the wide receiver two, three, or flex, and you're hoping for a touchdown. And if you don't get a touchdown, well, I don't know what kind of game you're getting from DJ Moore. This was a fantastic match against the Buccaneers defense that has been bad for what feels like three years now. And yet he wasn't able to do all that much. I, you know, I think you talked about uh, Christian McCaffrey as one of the main guys to own, despite diversity. I think Greg Olson's the other way to go. You talked about the tight end spot early in the Bears' bill spot. That's Greg Olson's a, a must start at this point if you have him. Kudos to you for uh, being well, decisive enough to pick him up despite that injury to begin the season. I, you know that's he's he's Greg Olson, especially with Cam Newton under center. Those two seem to be in some sort of connection and. I think that he's as consistent as they come at the tight end spot along with McCaffrey at the running back spot.
2: All right. On the other side of the ball, speaking of diversity, you know, you look at this team and you go, All right, well, Mike Evans gets the gets the line share of the targets, but you know, geez, do I like Jackson or Godwin better, but they're both playable? And I had so many people asking me about Godwin last week and lo and behold, Adam Humphreys catches eight passes out of the slot. Yeah. Like and I know they were playing catch up and they were and they were kind of leaving the underneath routes open, but um, that just that that's just the stake in your heart. Like if you own
1: if you own Godwin, what are you what are you thinking after yesterday? I think Adam hum, Humphreys is just the open man throughout the throughout the afternoon, especially in that second half. And I wouldn't really look anything into it other than well, this stinks. But I think that's kind of how you have to go. I mean, maybe Humphreys is going to get worked back into the rotation at some point. I mean, he's kind of been the forgotten man of all those receivers, especially after how well he did. And I think you can put well in quotes uh, last season, but there was some certain viability throughout the year and we haven't seen that at all. So the fact that it kind of just sprung up here against the Panthers who I thought were a pretty good defense, but we had talked about this on Friday and I thought, I mean, we both did that. There's going to be some offense from both teams. So the fact that Adam Humphrey's providing is, is a bit disappointing, especially for Godwin owners. But, um, you know, hey, at least, at least O.J. Howard was a call that we both had yes. <laughs> coming from this game. That that was a good one.
2: That was a good one. Now, by the way, everybody, if, if you're looking ahead to see what this, what this might mean, snap rates for the buck receivers yesterday. Mike Evans on the field for 90% of the snaps. Humphreys, 82. Godwin, 55. Deshaun Jackson, 48. So, Damn. I mean, you can't play them all. I mean, you can play a lot of them when you're throwing every down, losing by 28 points. But... You know, Deshaun Jackson owners, um, little little alarm bells should be going off there, I would think. Now look, and now I, I, always, say that, I always say that when ha- that happens to Deshaun Jackson, and I want to write him off, then next week he catches a 70-yard touchdown. So, you know, whatever. I don't know how that's going to work.
1: I, I suppose like in three of the last four weeks, he's gotten over 70 receiving yards. So maybe there's something there. The touchdowns just aren't going to happen too often. And I, I imagine the target share... Maybe it's going to stay similar to what we've seen in the last three weeks, 9, 10, and 8 against the Browns, Bengals, and Panthers, respectively. But I just don't think that you're going to see many, you know, we're not going to see many tight ends. So is he, or tight ends, touchdowns. Is he a Willie Sneed then? Like, is that kind of what Adam Humphreys is going to end up being?
2: Probably. Something like that. I mean, you know, know, six catches, five catches, 50 yards. Boring. Not going to catch many touchdowns. So not a guy you really want. Cole Beasley, right? Yeah, there's a lot of guys yeah. like that. Um, all right, let's go to uh, Chiefs Browns. More of the same from the Chiefs side of the ball. I mean, there's there's not much to tell here, right? There's there's no there's not much insight we can provide on the Chiefs here, other than you know play them all, and that Sammy Watkins, even though the RotoWire projection system, not beating up on it, but we were talking on Friday I think about how we were surprised at how high the RotoWire projection system had Watkins ranked, and Watkins is kind of a he's the unre- he's the most unreliable cog in this offense, right?
1: Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. But that's just because everyone else is so darn efficient,
2: <laughs> right? Um, the other, the other guy here was Spencer. Ware just garbage time? Is that it?
1: Yeah, I, I, I was reading Mario Puig's article from last night, uh, this morning, and he was kind of talking up where, as far as talent goes, and I don't know if anyone can really question Spencer. Ware's talent? Matter of opportunity. And not that that game was well in hand throughout most of the contest, right. but certainly by the end of the fourth quarter, we kind of knew what the result was going to end up being. And he mentioned, though, and, and I think there is some pause to think about, that as the Chiefs kind of continue throughout this magical season, how many times do they really want to have their stars out there when the game is in hand? Maybe Hunt ends up losing a few snaps, losing a few targets, whatever, as the as the season progresses, particularly if they're ahead in the fourth quarter. He already had three touchdowns, so I, I could see being the Chiefs saying, all right, yeah, you, you've got your numbers for today. Whatever, you're out. But, you know, that is something to kind of keep in mind moving forward. They have aspirations of bigger things than just a AFC West championship. So, you know, Hunt's status could be something that you almost have to monitor, kind of like an NBA stuff because we do the NBA podcast all the time. Oh, is this guy going to get benched because their team's going to blow him out? Well, maybe, maybe Hunt's a category for that as well. All right, the other side
2: of this game. The the guy I want to talk about is Duke Johnson. We've been waiting for Duke Johnson and you know, I know every I always ask why does Hugh Jackson hate Duke Johnson? Well Hugh Jackson's gone and Eureka Duke Johnson caught nine passes for seventy yards, two touchdowns. This is the Duke Johnson we wanted. He only ran once. I don't care. Right? I mean right. maybe I want him to run three or four times. But what I want him to do is catch six passes. And that that's why we drafted him. You know, if you drafted him in the eighth round or the seventh round of PPR, that's what you wanted. And if you held on to him, He's forty eight percent ownership on Yahoo right now. Is 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 this the light at the end of the tunnel for Duke Johnson? If you still thought there was some, are you? How are you looking at this as a as a hey wow? There's more of this coming, or how cautious are you about this? Like, would you want to pick up Duke, John, Duke Johnson in a PPR league this week if you could?
1: Well, I was going to say yeah, this is a perfect time, especially with all the bye weeks. But the Browns have a bye week in Week
2: Eleven,
1: right? Uh, you know, it's like oh, so wait is he really going to be much of a value because his value would be when I would need to fill him in for bye week players. I, no, I don't think that he's anything more than a flex, um, which is where you're kind of drafting would begin with last year. But that's or, more sorry, than he's been all year. Season. Right, right, right. That's what, that's what I'm saying. So I don't think his value changes much more. And frankly, he's had four catch 70 yard outings in previous weeks. Now only once against the chargers, of course, um, it's just the touchdowns are going to happen. I don't know how frequent that will be. You look at Dave Nujoku, who was, again, not he kind of ended up missing most of the game, it feels like, for whatever reason, this back-to-back contest now where, you know, four catches, 53 yards. He should be the red zone target instead of Duke Johnson getting some looks there. Uh, I would imagine Jarvis Landry, however inept he is in the red zone, will get more opportunities, too. There's, there's better players. I think Nick Chubb, too, frankly, is going to get more carries around there than Duke Johnson. So the nine catches, 78 yards, yeah, that probably could have happened most often uh moving forward but i don't think you're gonna get the touchdown so the cap on his point total is probably gonna be like 12 15 in a ppr league is that is that worth putting a roster spot on when uh you know as you're kind of putting together your teams i think that i think it depends on how deep the league is and whatnot but that's kind of the question you have to ask yourself
2: yeah i, I think i'm i'm going after duke if i can this week you know in a full point ppr i'm going after duke
1: well, I'll, I'll listen to you because you call the Devontae Booker thing, and we'll, and we'll get to that later sure. on. But you know, you, you have your eye on middling running backs. I, I trust <laughs> your judgment right now.
2: My, my pathetic running back situations on all my teams require me to, <laughs> to dumpster dive for running backs is where we are.
1: You've got a lot of practice doing it.
2: <laughs> Falcons, Redskins. Uh, we talked about how the Falcons have a little fight in them, and they do. Um, and their, their defense is going to get stronger. They're not going away, folks. Uh, Julio Jones. Eureka! He finally got a touchdown. He fought for that one too, didn't he?
1: Oh yeah, he did. He knew that there was no other way he was going to score unless he had to break through that tackle in ridiculous fashion. He really did.
2: Um, well, good for Julio. Good for Julio's owners finally getting the touchdowns, even if it was late. Um, Calvin really did okay. Uh, Tevin Coleman, it's about damn time that that guy yeah. did something. I mean, when, when Devontae Freeman got hurt, we were all like, "All right, Tevin Coleman's ready to roll." And and his past history with Freeman out suggests that he's going to perform, and he hadn't done anything. And yesterday he was terrific. I mean, the first one was a catch and run; it was all him. Right. But uh, this is now. What they're playing the yeah. Browns this week. Now what? Are you ready? I mean, if you're if you have Tevin Coleman, you're starting him in Week Ten. It's pretty clear considering the volume. Yesterday he got a total of eighteen touches.
1: Yeah, we had talked about Ido Smith as the guy to rob. Who scored a touchdown too, and I think he scored the second of the three running back touchdowns. So it was Coleman, Ido Coleman, and. Coleman, like you said, had to work for that first touchdown, kind of make it happen for himself. I wonder, I get a little bit concerned. You have to start, Coleman. I agree with you. But I get a little bit concerned that the Falcons coaching staff just saw Coleman get hot, quote-unquote, that game, and decide, all right, we're going to work him in. This is perfect. And he responded with the on touchdowns. And then if he's not hot next week against the Browns, are we going to see more Edo Smith? I, I don't know. That's, that's my concern. He's he's a quality talent. I've been really high on Coleman even since uh, when they first drafted him. I thought he was arguably way better than Devonta Freeman at that point. We didn't even see all the injuries happen. It's encouraging to see him get 13 carries, uh, which was the most since Week Five. Like, why haven't we been giving? And all right, whatever. I'm I'm not a I'm not a better Tevin Coleman owner. I'm not going to do that right now on the podcast. But uh, I was it was encouraging to see the kind of production he could put together, and I think. Against the Browns, should he get the similar workload? I think we're not going to see three touchdowns or two touchdowns, but we're going to see close to 100 total yards and probably four or five catches, which is Duke Johnson numbers.
2: But if they're on the one yard line, who's getting the ball?
1: <laughs> probably Matt Ryan or, <laughs> or like whoever the backup tight end is. Uh, fade to, I was going to say yeah, fade to
2: someone other than Julio Austin Hooper. Right. Um, on the other side of the ball here, uh, it was a blowout, so you need to take that into account. But uh, Maurice Harris playing the slot, and you know we, we we've talked a little bit about. All the last couple of weeks about, you know, the last man standing thing in the Redskins receiving core, but then still no one has done much on uh, Docton caught a touchdown. He didn't steal up. but Maurice Harris running the slot. Uh, the, the Falcons seem to be, I wish I could, I hate when I get to this point and there's, and don't do the proper attribution, but someone on Twitter was talking last night about the Falcons being very vulnerable out of the slot and Maurice Harris capitalized on, it. I mean, you know, that was another one. The game was 30, you know, 28 to seven or whatever. Right. And they were just throwing underneath that guy, but.
1: Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not chalking too much up to that one. Uh, I will say he'll probably be my number one starter in stake league next week because my team is just decimated by bye weeks nice. and ineptitude. So, I mean, <laughs> look forward to that. Uh, Brandon Powell, and we'll get to that in just a little bit for the Lions, end up being my third string wide receiver, and he put up a good old zero points for me then. Mm-hmm. So Count Maurice uh, Harris says that next guy whenever I have to start in stake league. I can tweet it out. I'll let people know when Maurice Harris is going to get zero points because I'll just tell him he's in my lineup and then we'll be set.
2: All right, let's go to Jets. Jets, Dolphins, not a lot to talk about here. I mean, literally no offensive touchdowns. Um, Sam Darnold's really struggling. Uh, interesting. I think on the Jets side of the ball, Elijah McGuire was the interesting one because we were speculating, we collectively in the fantasy football analyst world, how much work Elijah McGuire would get. He got 10 touches. I mean, they, they like him. And I'm not surprised, you know, because last week Trent Cannon got some touches, but McGuire—they like McGuire better, and 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 I think we can probably figure eight, ten, twelve touches moving forward, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, and and that's actually enough to warrant a roster spot, especially with bye weeks still being pretty heavy here for Week Ten. I, I think that, well, frankly, he's probably picked up in a lot of different leagues because most people anticipated something like this, and as he gets a little bit more healthy, I bet you. 10 targets become – or 10 touches comes, 15 tar- uh, touches, and maybe it moves into 20 at some point down the road, especially if the Jets are out of contention. Like, he kind of represents their best young back, right? He do- I think they see him
2: as more – he's more of a passing down back, I okay. think. But well, they will probably okay. trail him
1: too, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. You know that- what we seen – as as soon as I got, the, we heard the report on how bad that field was. I picked up every bit of Dolphins and Jets defenses that were available in my leagues. Yeah, uh, I mean that. I mean, we had talked about them as a streaming candidate anyway, but the fact that that field was so bad kind of just set the stage for what I figured would be a very low scoring contest from both teams because neither offense is fantastic and they're missing people from injuries certainly. But that those are just two bad teams that play in a bad field. What nineteen points total is kind of the result I was expecting.
2: Yep. and for background, University of Miami played on there what Saturday night? Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. So, the other side of the ball here. Poor Kenyon Drake.
1: Your, I, th- your, I thought we were beyond owned this. owned Kenyon Drake. You're recently acquired Kenyon Drake. Yes, that's right. Well, did I? Did we close that trade? We accepted I, it, but that's the process until next week.
2: Yeah. Well, thank goodness I didn't get because I would have started him yesterday. <laughs> um, let me. See. I just want to see the snap count. On the Dolphins here. I don't see it. Come on. Hold on. All right. Sorry, everybody. I'm trying to see the snap count on Drake and Gore. Uh, okay, like so a- the, it, was it was an equal snap. It was it, Gore 29 snaps, Drake 28 snaps. And Gore gets 20 carries and Drake gets three. What on earth are they?
1: <sighs> Here's the good news. Here's the good news for Kenny and Drake owners is that they play the Packers next week. And the Packers won't know how to stop a receiving running back out of the backfield. He's going to get at least one touchdown. He's going to get at least six catches. And you're going to have a good fantasy day. I can assure you one week of the season, Kenyon Drake will do very well. And it is next week against the Packers. I don't believe you.
2: I, I, don't, I you, don't try. I don't, trust, I don't trust this at all.
1: You, can, you cannot trust the Dolphins. And you cannot trust the science. But you have to trust the Packers' ineptitude at stopping a receiving back. James White torched them through that first drive, and I was surprised, frankly, when they didn't utilize him more. I think the injury was the only reason why White didn't get over 400 total yards that game. I'm telling you, Kenyon Drake's going to have a good game. It's against the Packers, and the Packers suck at stopping those kind of players.
2: All right. There's a bitter Packers fan assessment for you, everybody. I mean, you can take that however <laughs> you want.
1: That could be a whole segment. Just every five minutes, that
2: crops up. I, right. I could
1: definitely throw some of those out
2: there. Really, no matter who, no matter who's on the podcast, everyone, no matter who comes on with me, it's a bitter Packers fan, unless it's Haney. So <laughs> it's just everything, you know, Jake, what are the Tigers? Oh, Mike McCarthy sucks. <laughs> Derek, what do you think? Oh, I can't even watch them anymore. It's terrible. <laughs> All right. Um, Vikings and Lions. Vikings win 24 to 9. Uh, snap count in the backfield for the Vikings. Dalvin Cook's limited package became 24 snaps for him, 21 for Latavius Murray. Maybe a little more aggressive than we thought. Interesting stat pointed out by, it was probably next gen. On Dalvin Cook, who had a 70-yard run at one point, he reached 20.07 miles per hour, the fastest speed rep-
1: recorded by a ball carrier this season. How about that? Yeah. So I mean, he's healthy. We knew the talent level of Cook was undeniable as a matter of him being healthy, and you're right, he did look healthy. And frankly, Latavius Murray's early touchdown that almost was a Kyle Rudolph touchdown to the fumble on that first drive for the Vikings kind of saved our call on Latavius Murray being yep. the way to go. Otherwise, we would have looked with a lot of egg in our face, I should say. So, you know, Delvin Cook, when he's healthy, I don't... Uh, well, that's that's something we should probably ask. Like, how many snaps is Delvin Cook going to get if he's fully healthy as that lead back for the Vikings? Is it 80% of it? 85, 90? Like, Murray's kind of established a role on that Vikings team, but is that role going to be enough to kind of make you wary about using Cook moving forward? Right. Uh, I, I think he
2: gets most. So... Um, I don't know exactly what that means,
1: but way to dodge my numbers percentage. Way, way to yeah. go on that, John. Come I on, think, now.
2: I think eighty because <laughs> because it's good. I think to keep Cook healthy using Murray's because Murray's a solid sidekick. Yeah, so maybe it's seventy five, maybe it's sixty five. Like I hear what you're saying. Like why why would you with Dalvin Cook's history, even though he's really good, it depends on the game script, right? Like you yes, know, if, if you're in a game where you think you, you might be looking okay, then. Why wouldn't you take it easy on that guy? That's a, that's the type of guy you'd want to maybe lighten up the workload on.
1: And you, I think you mentioned the pivotal point in that conversation, and the game script will dictate a lot of this. But I don't know if the Vikings are a good enough team to win without unleashing Cook. Now I think they would have won against the Lions last uh, last night or yesterday, I should say. They they just seem they're not that good of a team right now, and I think that Golden Tate did a trade did a lot of stuff mentally to Detroit. But Delvin Cook's a player that has such talent for that Vikings offense that Murray can't replicate that nothing against Murray. He's a quality number two guy. Um, and he can be a fill in starter when he need to, but Cook's talent is such where I think that the Vikings are going to have to rely on him to make it to the playoffs. If they want to make it to the playoffs, Cook's going to have to be, be a big part of that. He's just so explosive. He can do the catching aspect too. He's a pretty good pass blocker from the bit that I was watching. Cause we have to watch these, uh, NFC North games, despite, every bit of me not wanting to. I mean, those are on just local television. We have to sit through them. He's a pretty good pass blocker from the time that we saw him out there. I imagine that if they are going to have aspirations to make the playoffs, Cook's going to be a major part of that, you know, run to that spot, which is probably going to be the five or six seed.
2: Yeah. And and by the way, anything, anything we're saying about, Hey, Dalvin Cook might only play 65 or 60% of the snaps. Even if that's the case, it doesn't scare me away from starting him. No, absolutely not. Absolutely Um, not. Other side of this one, so we talked last week about the Lions trading Golden Tate. So theoretic catches seven passes, right? Seven for 36, which is yep. boring and low-ceiling PPR. He ran some okay, so theoretic, though I'm, I'm gathering t- I'm, I'm cobbling together numbers from people on Twitter here. Theoretically, 39 snaps. So it looks like five out of the slot and eight lined up out wide. So because when I, when I saw this morning, I saw some slot news, and I kind of went, oh, he basically replaced Tate. Not really. He was on the field plenty, but he was he was out of the backfield most of the time and filling in a little bit, like maybe filling in a little more where Tate was than he would have before. But it's not like, hey, Theoretic's the new slot receiver. That's that's not it.
1: They were motioning him around quite a bit, and we've seen a lot more jet sweeps In the NFL, I think, recently, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, based off of college, yeah, yeah, okay, great. They kind of used Riddick in that role that you would see the Chiefs do, only significantly worse team being the Lions (laughs) as opposed to the Chiefs. They were motioning him all over the place and kind of utilizing him as the, the, the key to break or kind of see whatever the Vikings' defense was doing. And they were able to move the ball pretty effectively. They just couldn't get in the red zone. I mean, that was kind of the difference of the game. Um, that they just couldn't capitalize on the on the field position and score a touchdown. It was a lot of field goals. So Riddick could be a, a part of that offense and kind of making it work. I don't know how frequent he'll be. And, you know, we talk about Brandon Powell, TJ Jones. I don't know when either of those guys can going to be truly effective. It was a lot of Kenny Galladay, and it was a lot of Marvin Jones. I mean, I think he was a little bit underrated underneath Golden Tate's shadow as far as a truly talented wide receiver. And this might be like the biggest beneficiary of that Golden tra- Golden Day trade might actually end up being Marvin Jones.
2: All right. One other thing I want to mention here, and I've talked about this with Jake on Tuesdays about the idea that the, the two quarterbacks, when we talk about cutting people, you know, I keep saying, well, in shallow leagues, you know, how far do we want to push this? And the, the two names I had been bringing up were Russell Wilson and Stafford. And Russell Wilson, you know, he threw three touchdowns a week for the last three weeks before yesterday. He actually ran for 40 yards yesterday, which is nice. But Stafford here, I don't know. I mean, this is just it's, – it's, there's nothing going on here with him, right? It's just okay. He's throwing a decent amount of touchdowns, but he's not throwing a lot. Even yesterday, I mean, it perked up a little, but I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that – anyway, I'm rambling, but –
1: Well, the thing in shallow leagues, shallow leagues is that you can probably get by quarterback if you really need to. yes. More than likely, there are going to be the Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Breeze, Roethlisberger guys that are out there starting every single week, and you probably own one. Like I'm thinking eight, maybe ten team leagues. You probably own one of these guys. There is no reason to roster a second quarterback when you have those types of players unless there's bye weeks that you have to worry about. If you don't, the leftovers, which I would imagine are about 15 quarterbacks, is enough to put together a reasonable roulette. You have to get it right, and that's the crappy part, but there's going to be guys that go off. I mean, think about Ryan Fitzpatrick probably this week in, in Shadow Leagues. Could have been a very viable option to yeah. do rule-like quarterback. So, yeah, no, I understand that. There's there's no reason to have two quarterbacks if you're in an A-10 team. Um, just by the virtue of there's going to be other options out there that wasting the roster spot on that position doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
0: Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly.
2: All right, let's go to Steelers-Ravens. Uh, James Conner, terrific again. Um, every week, Le'Veon Bell just, you know, makes himself look more and more replaceable, but whatever. Uh, the other side of this game, I mean, other, we, another one, we didn't learn a ton about anybody on the Steelers. You know, they are what they are, generally. The Ravens, the way they played the last few weeks, they started better to where we thought their offense was kind of okay. Are they showing their true colors now, or are they slumping now?
1: Well, I was surprised that there was so much scoring in this one. Honestly, I mean, thirty-nine points. I don't know what the over/under was. It was but forty. I, probably, I think it was forty-eight. Okay, see, so you know, I would have taken. I would have taken the under under forty. So, like, the, you know, like that's this is this is an AFC North game, and it was kind of what we expected. And there was only mm. five mentions of oh, look at all those bruises and hard hitting stuff, yada yada yada, which are. Uh, a sign and, and should not be mentioned in today's game anyway um but you know what i i think the raven is just not that good but yeah. that's that's kind of the thing with it the ravens offense isn't that good john brown really made that team a lot better than what we we thought it would be and now he's kind of being identified as the key piece to that offense and he doesn't get much going on a week and i think if they struggle to get pass interference calls which i think they had two when i was watching if those don't happen they're not moving the ball very effectively. Thank God for Justin Tucker's range; otherwise, you know this would be a team that probably is missing out on six to eight, six to nine points every single week because they can't get past. Right, it,
2: John Brown. For the last five weeks, he has killed you. Hmm. Um, I mean, four for fifty-eight, two for twenty-eight, then seven for one thirty-four and one, three for twenty-eight, three for seventeen. Killed you. I mean, he's he, he's he's become that risky play that. I mean, next week they've got to buy, maybe when they play the Ravens in a few weeks, Falcons after that. But, you know, John Brown has become, has gone from top 20 fantasy receiver to, oh, man, I don't know if I want that guy to play.
1: And other than the squadron of tight ends that they throw on a weekly basis, how many of those guys do you really want? Uh, may not roster, because I think that you'd want to roster Alex Collins, maybe Buck Allen, and Crabtree and Brown are probably all rosterable. But how many of those guys do you want to start? Right. I think the the only startable guy is Justin Tucker. That's the only guy I feel great starting on a week-to-week basis, which is weird. Like, If you don't like any of their offensive players, why would you go with the kicker? But Justin T- Tucker is just so darn good that it makes sense to roll with him.
2: All right, and the other one there, the guy you would think of, Alex Collins, who gets the ball enough, he was, a little, he was questionable yesterday, but he played okay. He got a touchdown, which, I mean, that saved him because otherwise he didn't do a heck of a lot. But he's been carried the last three weeks, carries 11-11-9. So I mean when by-
1: do we give up on Alex Collins is he is he the is he one of the bigger I won't draft this guy again players yes I, I mean, like he was one of the, uh, I think of Alan Robinson Alan Robinson has burned me so hard this season uh, maybe I'm just a vengeful stake league owner that's frustrated by his production but i'm I'm through with Allen Robinson for the last time is, is Alex Collins among those names this season uh, he has scored what uh four, six touchdowns this season yeah so like... He's getting those or seven touchdowns. So I don't know
2: next, next year. The thing is this year he was, he crept up into the, I think early fourth round. He was kind of at the three, four turn next year. He'll be more like sixth and maybe it'll be worth it.
1: Yeah. My, my only, my only concern with that is the reason he fell or fell. He, the reason he got to that fourth round was because after the second round, the running back spot, there was not a lot of guys that you could really count on. Darius Geist was like the value play at the back end of the second round in drafts this year. and, that's why we saw Marshawn Lynch's and Alex Collins get up to that fourth and fifth round because there wasn't a lot of people to fill in that spot. And if you were one of those drafters that has to have two wide receivers, two running backs and a tight end or whatever after round five, well, Alex Collins probably was your only chance of doing that. I don't know. He, he hasn't gotten over 70 rushing yards this season. I, he's There's there's talent there. And I trust a lot of, a lot of really smart guys have talked up uh, Alex Collins so much where I, I know that there's talent there, but – Uh, I haven't seen a lot of it this year. I'll put it nicely.
2: I I, I totally get what you mean on that one. Um, Next game, Chargers-Seahawks. Interesting ending, definitely. Yes. Um, Baldwin on the Seahawks side, Baldwin 4 for 77. He seems to be perking up a little bit. I mean, he's still not getting targeted a ton because they still don't throw a ton because they like to run. But, you know, things are better. Uh, Russell Wilson, we talked about yesterday. Sorry, he threw thirty nine times yesterday. I shouldn't say that about it yesterday. Um, let's see. So Chris Carson reaggravates his hip injury. So now Mike Davis becomes a very viable guy. He carried fifteen for sixty two. He caught seven passes for forty five yards. Mike Davis becomes an extremely viable pickup heading into Week Ten. He's probably going to hedge your running back list.
1: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, we talk about those guys from Yahoo under fifty percent under owned. Uh, you know, I think Davis becomes mean, that part of the conversation, I'll say I watched every single second of that game because I was doing uh, you know notes for the Chargers like I do every week. And Mike Davis, Carson, they all look the same. I had no idea that Carson was out until midway through the third quarter when they're like, oh, yeah, Chris Carson has been playing. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Like, I, I just can't tell any difference. They're all kind of nondescript to me and, and not very good. And the Doug Baldwin thing, I would say, you know, I don't have exact stats, but I bet you – over half of his yards came from just two big receptions and it was m- not broken coverage, but it was more of a nice throw by Wilson as opposed to anything Baldwin was, was doing. Okay. Otherwise they had him pretty much shut down. Like that was a, that was a pretty good performance from a Chargers defense that, you know, there's some, there's some, um, but with Joe Wilson back, that's going to be, that's going to be a playoff worthy defense to match the playoff worthy offense.
2: All right, on the Chargers side of things, the, the weird guy here, Keenan Allen had a big game, which he hasn't had a lot of this year, so good for him. Tyrell Williams. <laughs> the guy's got four touchdowns in his last three games. And you're tempted to chase him because of that. You look at the production and you go, I'm really tempted to go after this guy. But he was two for, you know what, two for 23 on, on, on three targets, but he got his touchdown he's owned 45% of Yahoo leagues. I mean,
1: I'm don't go after Tyrell Williams, right? No, no. And I've been saying that for a while now, and he makes me look bad with these touchdowns, but this is a situation. He hasn't got over four receptions in any game at all this season. And he hasn't got over five targets. Like this is the only reason this is working is because he's getting those long touchdowns or a touchdown. Otherwise you look completely foolish for starting Williams or picking up Williams on a week to week basis. And, like at some point that luck runs out at some point, he just doesn't find his way into the end zone. And it's not like he's getting targeted frequently there either. This is, it's just a situation where he's in the right place at the right time. I would, I would rather pick up Mike Williams. And I know that's weird because he only had one catch, but this is a more explosive player who they target frequently on big plays that has just not been able to capitalize on them yet. Whereas Williams has, that's the difference between those two players right now.
2: All right. Um, Next up, Texans-Broncos. Um, Jeff Hireman. Whoa. Yeah. What, what do we make of that? A fluke? Because that guy's been – the only good games he had had were against the Chiefs before. And those were four catch games, I think, against the Chiefs. And yesterday he catches 10. I mean, the first game without Demaryius Thomas, Jeff Hireman catches 10 passes. Do you put two and two together and say, jackpot for a tight end? I mean, not jackpot, but again, tight ends are terrible.
1: So right. Do you I think pick in, this guy in a league, you have to pick him up, right? Certainly, I
2: guess. I mean, what are the Broncos next week? Do we know? Hold on.
1: Yeah, good question. Um, I, I mean, like that. He's been he's been an enigma since it feels like he entered the league. He was talked up so much as a guy that could be by in week uh, ten. By the way, sorry, go ahead. Okay, yeah, by week bye. Okay, so yeah. Uh, but he's he's been a guy that everyone thought was going to be successful tight end at some point, especially when he came into the league, and we just haven't seen that. I don't think that the Demarius Thomas trade has any inflection on change as to his value. I I just think that this was a weird kind of game where the Texans were apparently susceptible to getting destroyed by a second or third tier kind of tight end. All
2: right. Um, Otherwise in this game, um, the Texans runners, I mean, they, they both ran some and didn't do anything. So that's a, you know, but Lamar Miller is just infuriatingly annoying last week. He had 113 yards this week. He did this. Um, QT was out, so the way the Texans' receiving core is going to look is probably a TBD. They only threw the ball. I mean, Watson threw the ball twenty-four times, so so we didn't learn a lot there. Devontae
1: Booker, though, he catches the ball when he plays, right? A little bit, yeah. And he gets the uh, apparently the goal line carries. Yes, too, the, I, I mean, and it makes sense because Philip Lindsay looks like he should be on the cast of Sandlot as opposed to an NFL player. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know what? I, I, it's it, it's frustrating as a guy that owns Lindsay. And I can tell you what, I would gladly get rid of my Lindsay shares if I had any better options. I, I just don't know. That's the exact reason why I don't feel great about using him. He's a talented running back, but they, they don't feel comfortable running him between the tackles at all. At all. And he can, which is frustrating to me. It's frustrating to watch coaches n- – poorly manage their their really their only explosive players and that's what's happened with Lindsay. he can run between the tackles they just are choosing not to run with him and that's exactly how Booker gets you know a little bit of a dinky touchdown in the first quarter a
2: Lindsey 38 snaps Booker 26 snaps yesterday and they're on a buy in week 10 and Royce Freeman due back in week 11 most likely so not a lot to, to like about Devontae Booker moving forward not that there was a ton to like anyway but there was a little bit to like Saints Rams. That was fun. Looked like it was gonna be a blow for a while. A fun game. It was yeah. fun. Michael Thomas blew up. That was that in particular was fun, I thought. Though the interesting thing I want to touch, and it's only mildly interesting, again, back to that tight end nonsense. Gerald Everett finally caught a few passes. I think a couple of them were on a on a two minute drill, right? A couple in a row.
1: At least two. At yeah. least two were in that situation. I know exactly which drive are talking about. I couldn't tell you for certain if it was more than two, but I, I feel pretty confident that Everett had two, that he was kind of open in the middle and doing the crossing routes, and that's what he's been doing best, too. I kind of I saw the same thing against the Packers last week where I was like, oh, you know what? If if you need to sc- uh, scrape the bottom of the barrel for a tight end, I think Everett might be the way to go.
2: Yeah, the problem is he's pr- he's probably fifth in the pecking order in their passing game.
1: I think that's saying that that's that's nicely I mean there's a situation where he could probably be even lower than that yeah. I, I like to own players that are in good offenses because there's you never know when they could just kind of stumble in for a touchdown or someone leaves Everett or you know is completely open and Malcolm Brown gets completely open something like that just and then you get a touchdown and then right then and there there you get their value for what you're open for that week because chances are you're not having to start Gerald Everett on a weekly basis you're just hoping to get a touchdown or four or five catches, just give me seven points. Right. Give me seven points from that spot. And I think that for upside plays, Everett is probably one of the best seven-point guys you can find in free agency at the moment.
2: Okay, that's fair. Um, Like I said, Michael Thomas did blow up. The other thing, uh, everybody, this is eight years ago, whatever, 10 years ago, whatever it was, I always used to joke that the Saints – on the Saints receiving core, well, Graham was there, but you'd say, all right, I can start Marcus Colston. After that, I never know who's going to do what. It might be Devery Henderson. It might be Robert Meacham. You might not be familiar with these names, everyone, but that's what happened, and that's where we are again. Because I felt like Traquan Smith was kind of buzzy last week, and he got three targets. He caught a touchdown, which, you know, if you started him, hey, good for you, but please don't think you can count on Traquan Smith to produce because it's going to be inconsistent. It's going to be Thomas. It's going to be Kamara in the receiving game, and after that, you know, good luck trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah, I will say I was completely wrong in how this game was going to go. I thought if the Saints – if you told me the Saints were going to score 40 points, I, w- I would have thought they lost, frankly. I, I would have thought yeah. that they were having to outscore the Rams, and I just thought the Rams were going to do going to do better in the outscoring category. It was going to have to be a slower-paced game, and that ended up not being the case. Now, they near they very nearly gave the game away. I mean they had a pretty significant advantage even into the third quarter. Um but that's kind of more, you just are not going to be able to keep that Rams offense down forever, similar to the Patriots. You're just, they're they're going to get 28 points just walking into the building, it feels like. Uh, you just have to score more than that. So that's something I'm going to have to keep, keep in mind moving forward, that there's no way to ugly it up against the Rams team. Th- that there's just no way. They're going to be too effective, too efficient. And four or five touchdowns every week, that's almost a formality, it feels like, for Los Angeles. And if you just can score more, that's kind of the way you have to end up winning the game.
2: All right, let's move on to uh, more of Pat's Packers. We talked about Aaron Jones. Um, we talked Friday about uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, who you were very high on. He caught three for 101. Just look, passes the eye test for sure. Um, you know, the measurables are good. Is he sort of here to stay now? I mean, at, at some, it, when Geronimo, Al- Geronimo Allison's ready, why would he play over this guy?
1: Well, I think Geronimo Allison is, he has a little bit more repertoire with Aaron Rodgers and that's the only reason why Scantling has a speed factor that I don't think we've seen at that wide receiver spot in some time like I think peak Jordy Nelson is the fastest time that we've seen Scantling like he's 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 real he's he's the real deal and he's not just some stringy wide receiver either too like we've had that quite a bit um with those 6th or 7th round picks that are tall they're really talented they have pretty good running, but they're not all that fast, and they're really thin, like 180 pounds, but 6'4 thin. He's not that. I mean, he can bulk up, certainly, and I anticipate he probably will. If you've looked at the, the careers of Randall Cobb and even Devontae Adams to some extent, they've added muscle after their second, and third, and fourth years. Scantling will probably do the same thing, but the speed aspect is the part that's tantalizing to me. Rodgers just looks for him deep, and there was two or three instances last night, and he only caught one of them, where it was just, all right, throwing it up to you, make a play, and more often than not, he has been. I yeah. was more impressed by that third quarter catch that he had where he had no business getting both feet in bounds and going up to get it. And he looked great. Like I, I just I, – there's there's not enough superlatives I can say for Scantling right now. I am all in on him. Uh, if if I could acquire him in the auto new leagues, I would be paying probably a pretty penny for him. Like talk about keeper and dynasty formats. Right. I, I think he's right up there as far as guys that are going to have a good future moving forward.
2: All right, on the Pat side of the ball, Josh Gordon 10, ten targets, five for one thirty and one. I mean, it's you know, it's on with Josh Gordon. I mean, we can't trust him to hang around. We never. We know knew he's gonna that disappear. was to I
1: told you. I told you that was going to happen entering the week. I'm. I yep. don't don't look into those numbers and say, oh, Josh Gordon's this Randy Moss now. I, don't do that. You're making a mistake. Okay. Packers don't know what to do against tall, fast receivers, and same with small receiving running backs. They have no clue. All
2: right. Fair enough. <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> Sorry I had No it's okay it's a good it's disclaimer a Packers fan.
2: Um, The other one on this one So Hour Patterson <laughs> he, he, So he's running back Yay <laughs> I mean, we, we saw a little of it last week We saw a lot of it last night 11 carries for 61 and a touchdown So now if you own Sony Michelle, And he comes back maybe in week 10 They play the, at Tennessee and then they've got a bye What, what do you do here? I mean, look at – they're, they're not just going to – if Michelle comes back, look, they spent a first-round pick on Michelle, and he's part of the he, – he's going to be some sort of reasonably vital cog in their offense. But Michelle comes back, I'm finding it hard to believe that they're going to look at Patterson and go, yeah, all right, you go back to return kicks. Thank you for your service at running back. We'll see you sometime soon if we need you. I, I, I have a hard time looking at it that way right now. I think, I think he's good enough and pl- has played well enough where he go. All right, we gotta stick with
1: this for a little bit, at least part of the time, right? I want the listeners to picture me saying this in my best Al Michaels voice. Patterson's their their, their, their big back. He's their big back. He's gonna get those goal line carries, he's their big back. <laughs> I disagree. Like they kept saying that over and over. That's the Packers' defense is an aptitude. I, I actually think that they are gonna just send him right back to returning kicks. Like they've shown he could do it. But when you have a guy that's superior in running, which I would assume Michelle is superior in running, hence why they spent a first-round pick on him, and then you have a guy like James White who should be healthier, um, that she can maybe take more of the load off. Kenyon Barner can do White's job easily, especially with their schedule moving forward. The next two or three weeks, I anticipate Barner could fill in if White were to miss any time. Yep. I think that Patterson actually probably does get relegated back to the shadow realm. Like I, I just don't think that he's going to have to do that much. It was great that he could fill in. But that, to me, felt more like the Patriots and Bill Belichick in particular scheming to make a player more effective as opposed to a player actually being effective at that role. All right. And it sounds like White's going to be okay. but um, Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just saying if they, yeah. if they chose to rest him right. in any sort of capacity, Barner can fill in that role. Like, it's not, not like they're going to bring him Patterson to be White. Like That doesn't make sense to me.
2: All right. So this, if you're a Michelle owner and you see on Wednesday he practiced in full – He's ready to play in Week Ten. Are you? In? Are you without hesitation going? Okay, fine. In good. Are you? Are you the least bit hesitant?
1: Yeah. Given I was uh, all in last night on starting him despite him being inactive. Uh, darn. Sunday night starts that didn't end up working out for you. I, I, yeah, I'm all in. It's against the Titans. This could be a situation like Dalvin Cook though, where the Patriots of a week left. Is there any real reason why they need to put Michelle out there, especially with Patterson doing as well as he has been? I don't know, but if he's a full practice Wednesday, I I feel confident putting him in. I have no reservations.
2: All right, well, let's go to Titans Cowboys tonight. I mean, this is a horrible fantasy game. We talked about Amari Cooper a little bit last week. Does does a does a Titan step up? If you're playing like a showdown DFS, mm. is there a Titan you lean toward? <sighs>
1: I, I don't know if I would feel comfortable. This is this is one of those I'm I'm not gambling, I'm not DFSing tonight kind of things, like me personally. But if you feel the need to and you know, by golly, go ahead and do that. I, I guess I would go Corey Davis. I that Cowboys defense has looked I think a lot a lot better than what people are anticipating. And Corey Davis just is due. Like he just gets so much of those target shares. All you need is a touchdown and probably four or five catches, which he does on the regular, or at least he's getting targeted like he should. Um, where that makes a, a ton of sense value wise. Like I, I just don't know this. Like how high scoring you think this game is going to be? I could see the Cowboys winning twenty one seventeen, and yeah. that might be the highest amount of points I want to give either team.
2: I, I think you're probably right. I mean, the over under is what 40, 40 and a half something like that. I have it in front of me, but it's somewhere around there.
1: So. Yeah, so I, I'm going with Corey Davis, the guy that could step up and. Maybe you get a Marcus Murray a rushing touchdown, which makes him a bit more valuable, especially if you were to put him in the showdown and get the double-point indicator for him. Um, like That could happen. By no means do I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair, and I don't think Dak Prescott's going to be gunslinging his way past any team either, even with Mari Cooper, who he's the guy. Like If I'm picking somebody to get the double-point score on DraftKings, give me every bit of Mari Cooper. They're they're going to force-feed him the ball. It's going to be gross. Yeah. Like You're going to see him get like 20 targets. And you're like, why? why look at Cole Beasley is literally he's pulling a Lamar Jackson and running right down the side of the field and yet no one's throwing to him why not oh <laughs> right. it's because we have to throw it to Cooper for the 15th time in a row that's what's going to happen you know Jerry Jones is in Garrett's ear saying hey uh, we uh, we got to make we got to make Cooper look good tonight got to make sure he gets plenty of looks tonight I love to happen
2: the impressions are an added part of the show that no one else brings that Derek never brings <laughs> so I appreciate that
1: you're welcome you're welcome listeners
2: <laughs> alright Joe what else you got going on uh, well, that's about it. We,
1: I would be doing the basketball podcast, which we do every Monday with Alex Barutha. I think that's going to get tabled to Tuesday or Thursday, depending on which works best for our schedule. So, stay tuned for that on the uh, RotoWire Podcast Network. And uh, yeah, I'm still. I'll, I'll be. I'll go back to the bench next time. I can join you for the NFL podcast.
2: Uh, that would be awesome. Can't wait for it. This, <laughs> is, this has been a fun three days. I've enjoyed it. <laughs>
1: It really has been. It's been a good time.
2: All right. Um, Everybody, listeners to this podcast, get a free 10 day RotoWire trial at RotoWire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that. You can check out nearly all the features on the site. So take a look now again, RotoWire.com slash pod. Uh, please leave reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. We always appreciate them. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Road to Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and I will be here on Tuesday, as usual, to look at your free agent options. Uh, I have a feeling Mike Davis will be leading off, but we will talk about a lot more detail on Tuesday. So please come on back then. For Joe Bartle, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?